Uh, Darcy, today I have a special treat for us. Our uh, introduction comes in the form of a voicemail. A voicemail introduction. A voicemail introduction. Have a listen. G'day, mates. It's me, Dungo, Kieran Strawman caricature of the incurably self-satisfied high school dropout ratbags who mistake their rodential capacity for finding a parasitic nation society for virtue. Now, I believe in a fair go for Aussie battlers and in making self-defeating ideological statements that I mistake for common sense because I was too busy fucking my dog to learn how to read. A fair go means just that. Opening up systems to the relentless self-interest of vampiric, self-styled entrepreneurs like myself, thereby allowing us to rort those systems to make a quick and dirty buck off the backs of people who don't count as battlers, because they're already designated as victims and marks, and my brain can't hold more than two small details at any given time. It's too jam-packed with all those great memories I have from times I fucked my dog. A fair go means exactly what ScoMo says it does. Freeing farmers from the burden of fighting climate change, thereby allowing them to till increasingly dusty soil year on year. <laughs> Have a go, mate. It means insisting that if your thing can't make money in the true neutral ground of the marketplace, that means it's fucking useless, even though I'm literally just a middleman between smirking landlords who dress like fucking TV cowboys and the desperate renters who they refuse to touch. It means calling the radio every day so I can suggest without a hint of self-awareness that if everybody just muscled down, dropped out of school, fucked their dog and used mum and dad's money to buy 15 investment properties, then we could all be rich. We'll rent them out to, oh, I don't know, the shadow people, I guess. <laughs> That's what I call the Chinese. Fucking ScoMo's pretty on the money, mate. I love it when he says dinky-dye Aussie stuff like Batlar, Fair Dinkum and Fuck the Indigenous People. Only thing I disagree with him on is the Cronulla Sharks. See, I go for the Warringah Rapists and this means that I'm filled with a nigh religious fervour which the dominant culture of shonky salesmen and rent-seekers has installed in my brain and the place where principle is supposed to go. Khan the Rapists. Fair go to the weakness for bleakness blokes, though. Might not agree with all their lefty loony nonsense, but they're like proper smart, eh? Darcy's even heard of things from England. Anyway, hooroo, mates. Have a good one. Fuck your dog for me. A modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay your mortgage or your rent. And all these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you spend. Well, just to come, the captain said, the iceberg's only dead ahead. The men will keep the engines fed, I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history, there ain't a hope for you or me. When workers philanthropically believe in the economy. But what a feast the tired eyes, the poison earth, the boiling skies. Everyone their own depths rise, remember when the world was wise. We know, no, 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 no. I was going to do an on today's show segment. I noticed that last week's, uh, you were like... We're going to talk about, about this, 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 and this, and yeah, you didn't get it right. So I, I'm not going to do that this week. I was we'll, making let's just... a, taking a stand against <clears throat> the infestation of technocrats that have been despoiling our movement. <laughs> yes, yeah, 100%. So let's just fucking kick it off. What's your first headline, Doug? My first headline is that the Labour Party have got some policies and that the Liberal National Coalition do not like them. Yes. Yeah, this the... comes from Greg Hutchins with the Australian Associated Press, published by The Guardian. Mm. Bill Shorten has a fair-go action plan to take Australia into the next decade. Yes, he does. 
We're going to skip over the fact that it's largely a given Australia's going to make it to the next decade. Yeah. It was shaky at the start of the decade, (laughs) but we're so close now, I feel like we're going to be pretty much there one way or another. Yeah, we don't really need carrying. I don't think we need to be carrying. We've ridden in on the back of a coal-induced heat wave. Yeah. But I think he's talking about uh, taking us forward in a positive direction. Yeah, building a nation that we'd be proud to live in, a land fit for heroes. Mm. The positive direction, of course, being about seventy percent of the well, position what, that we were at. He's yeah, he's essentially planning to boldly tinker with the current <laughs> ast- system. So, yeah. education will be uh, overhauled so that funding for the public school system is based on need, mm-hmm. which. Uh, I think most people in the Department of Education would say is already their agenda. Yeah. They just differ on what need means. He's going to give TAFE more of a... uh, Well, he's going to put it in the centre of vocational uh, education. Cool. Though has not yet quantified what that means. No. Because TAFE already is at the centre of vocational education. It's really the only place maybe poorly funded, but it's still at the centre. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's all there is for vocational training. We're going to uncap university places so that uh, even more people can be saddled with debt for jobs that don't exist. Yeah, cool. That's good for me. More <laughs> students. There are there are a couple of bits. He wants um, preschool and kindergarten available to all three-year-old children for a minimum of 15 hours a week. Sure. That's a good idea. Yeah, that sounds good. And he wants women on maternity leave to continue to have money paid into their superannuation accounts. Sure, good. Which is wise. Um, Or, as uh, Scummo put it, tax, 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 tax. If you're not growing the economy, it won't get bigger. Tax, 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 you earned (laughs) tax. Well, the economy will only grow by getting bigger. Uh, (laughs) Which was a pretty coherent response. (laughs) Though not much much, uh, worse than uh, what he actually said, which was essentially, well, no, I don't think that we should be uh, increasing taxes because Mm. if the economy is not growing, this is where you can see a practiced theological mind kicking in. (laughs) If the economy is not growing, then increasing taxes won't grow the economy. Do you see? Oh, yes. You'll bank... To which uh, Bill Shorten, I can't, but in fairness to Bill Shorten, he uh, he had the coherency to say, "Well, I wasn't suggesting we were going to throttle the economy. Yeah, we can redeploy uh, financial assets that you have been wasting for the past decade on ridiculous things like subsidising fossil fuel industries, mm. subsidising Christianity, mm. and uh, subsidising private schools. I mm. mean, I'm sure they won't go after private schools because." I mean, not, we now have too many voters hardcore. with children at private schools. It's too dangerous. Yeah, yeah, it that's should have true. been done in the seventies. <clears throat> yeah, a hundred percent. It fucking. It, uh, I'm not saying anything new. This is like baby's first political take on Facebook. Is like it blows my mind that they subsidise private schools because they're private schools. But anyway, that's. Was, I think it's 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 mind blowing because it's so brazen. Is what because yeah. in the UK they say oh well, the British public school system so the British private school system is not subsidised. Mm. Not directly. They get rebates and concessions and things and yeah. all the sneaky shit that you always get. But even the, even there, it's they, they don't have the wherewithal to be like, no, we're going to directly pay yeah. Harrow and Eton the same 
student support fee that we give to Billingsgate Primary. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking wild. Um, Listen, man, this action plan that they insist on calling everything an action plan now instead of a plan. Uh, sorry, is, Kieran. Uh, Can I just pull you up for a second? Yeah. It is a fair go action plan. Fair go action plan for Gap. Uh, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm exhausted and, and like punch drunk enough at this point to be like, yeah, give it to me. But it's not particularly inspiring. There are some bits that are directly... Um, there are some good useful bits. and it's look he he wants he wants down. to re-enshrine penalty rates for yes. workers he wants good. to crack down on um, labor exploitation with the casual sorry with the casual market and labor mm, hire yep. and yep. business like this which if is he can actually accomplish that that will be a big check mark against his name in my book actually well actually it would make him a historic uh, parliamentary leader yeah because he would be the first liberal democratic head of government in the world to tackle this problem so that would actually be very impressive yeah which means it's not going to happen (laughs) very unlikely (laughs) um yeah look there's some good stuff what can you say i just want the libs out so badly that that can just be number one on the forgap and i'll be like yeah i just got an email from steve jolly not now steve Steve. doing my doing my show notes steve steve for fuck's sake Steve is six weeks away, I think, from mm. Parliament. Come on. We got yeah. we got a Chomsky endorsement. Yeah, I saw that. Chomsky endorsed the Victorian Socialists. What a get. Probably should have been our headline. Ah, <laughs> God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> There's nothing much to critique about it. It's just good. It is true. Um, yeah, so Shorten's fair go action plan is there, and it's okay. Morrison revealed a certain degree of monetary understanding and fiscal understanding when his, when, with his argument that tax in and of itself doesn't grow the economy or guarantee anything will work. That is true. Sure. But yeah. it is insane also because he thinks that tax just gets taken out of the economy and that's all that happens. Yeah. This but is our former treasurer. This is our former treasurer who doesn't seem to understand the reason taxes are uh, harvested. Yeah. In the same way that he thinks that uh, immigrants who don't get on boats because of people smugglers being turned back, even though the boats never got stopped, but that's a whole other fucking thing. But he thinks that if they don't get on a boat to come here, then they just don't exist and that they're suffering overseas is nothing to be considered. He's just a master of, like, having no object permanence, essentially. Yeah, he, he's he's got a really well-honed theological mind. Yeah. And we're going to see it uh, come up with more fascinating things as we go on. Yeah. But I'm prepared to turn this headlines round over to you now, Kieran. All right. Uh, I don't... Listen, I'm fucking... I'm dusty as hell today, so... <laughs> watch me slop around. I don't have headlines per se. I have news items. And the first one is that Brett Kavanaugh, of course, predictably got fucking sworn in uh, yesterday or the day before. As our dear Prime Minister would say, it made my skin curl. <laughs> uh, this yeah. beer whisperer was allowed into... Well, yeah. beer shrieker, really. Yeah. What do you even call that? It's like a wine whinge kind of thing that he was doing? It's called... 
what he got people thrown out of court for when he was practicing as a judge. It's called contempt of court. And yeah, yeah. Fucking ridiculous that he was allowed to get away with it can't, as a fucking professional judge. <laughs> can't can't be struck with contempt of court when you're in front of a Senate hearing. It's, no, I know. I'm uh, just saying different thing. Oh, technically, I know it's a different thing, but it's about <laughs> conduct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like being in front of the Senate should betoken at least the same level 100%. of somnolence and uh, earnestness as appearing before a judge. A hundred percent. But if somebody got him to comment directly, he would definitely turn around and be like, well, my juvenile tantrum wasn't in a court technically. So <laughs> as the fine legal mind that I am, I knew exactly what I was doing. Anyway. Yeah. It was a fucking dog I'm and just pony in show. contempt of the country. Yeah. The, uh, the, <laughs> he is. And women. Uh, the FBI investigation lasted a week. They didn't interview any of the no, plaintiffs or witnesses. No, but like they, they didn't. Oh, they didn't even try to. They didn't try to. Because they, they knew they had a week. And there are people who are suggesting bother. that there were internal restrictions placed by the White House on the investigation and no stuff No doubts like about that. It was a fucking sham. And, uh, now he's in there. And so... Uh, yeah, you've got to fucking... But it, it shouldn't have come down to whether or not there was sufficient verification about him being or not being the person who sexually assaulted Dr. Ford. Yeah. When his conduct in that Senate hearing had mm. demonstrated that he was not temperamentally or more emotionally mature enough, or not suited for yeah. the job at all. Yeah. You're 100% right, but I'm so exhausted by this little <laughs> three-point cycle of, like... He sexually assaulted people, but that's not even the main thing. His conduct was shitty, and that's not even the main thing. He perjured himself. What did he perjure himself about? The sexual assault allegations, and it just keeps going round. No, it's like he's fucking terrible. And the sexual assault allegation is fucking the most important thing by a mile. But, but he, it's just as as an auxiliary point. Yeah, he also should not. Have, even if it had turned out that he was innocent, and mm. it was provable that he was innocent, his conduct is not becoming of a man with a functioning brain. Yeah, you need to be able to stay calm under pressure if you're going to be critiquing the decisions and the constitutional legality of the two most powerful uh, legislative bodies in the world. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to be able to do that. <laughs> I don't think so either. I think there's going to be a series of terrible Supreme Court decisions. <laughs> Basically, Americans are fucking losing their shit over it. Uh, and it's <sighs> extremely uh, depressing reading the kind of alt-right and men's rights guys go off about it. And their capacity to ignore salient information because well, you the country is full of morons. You Darcy. can't become, in fairness, you can't become a men's rights activist or an alt writer mm. if you are good at absorbing salient information. Yeah, it makes them so frustrating to combat, though, because the left, uh, left in quotation marks of American politics, is afraid of just taking power. And well, they're afraid the of everything. American yeah. left is the most useless political organization in human history. Yeah. They suck at everything. Well, the the Democrats, for sure, and a lot of the associated... Uh, Not just the fact that the Democrats are the leftmost major party in American politics yeah. is bone-chilling. It really is. Because they are our Tories. They're yeah. the ones that we sit here railing against. Yeah. 
and they're supposed to be they're the good, the good guys. guys in America. There are some good DSA people in the thing. The midterms are coming up. Maybe there'll be a blue wave. There's a lot of push to like pack the courts and stuff from certain sectors of society. So maybe something will turn around. But for now, yeah, it's that, just hell. That like loose coalition leftist group in America is showing promise, but it's early mm. days. Yeah, it is early days. We are still in the desert. They still have friends. plenty of time to do our usual thing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, uh, oh yeah, so Senator Joe Manchin, uh, Democrat, voted to confirm Kavanaugh. So he's... Well, that was an interesting... Another uh, one of those... An interesting decision. Yeah, so... Joe Manchin looks like a ferret that's just realised it's got no trouser legs to run up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's a very good call. Uh, what was Kennedy's first name, Justice Kennedy? Andrew. Andrew. I was hoping it was Joe. Because then there's like, the th- then you'd have the three Trader Joes. You yeah. Have, and Trader Joes is an American pun, which is great uh, for Trader Joes, the shop. You'd have the Justice Kennedy, obviously not called Joe, so the whole thing falls apart. You would have Joe Lieberman, who voted against single action, uh, oh, single yeah. payer, and now Joe Manchin. But yeah, the Democrats have fucking performed outrageously poorly in this. Uh, and the Republicans are all monsters, obviously. The Democrats keep waiting for this magical self-evidency to kick in mm. which is just not obviously not going to no no they're fucking fully content to ref uh this ball going into the sewer what's your next headline darcy my next headline is that the prime minister of australia does not understand what secular is uh that is a surprise to me because he seems like such a well-reasoned sharp <laughs> intellect chuckling idiot yeah this is from uh, Michael Kirby, uh, former Supreme Court justice, Australian Supreme Court, I should say, which is mm. a very different Supreme Court mm-hmm. to the American Supreme Court. But uh, Michael Kirby has attacked the coalition because they have not released Ruddock's Religious Freedom Report. This is from Paul Karp, uh, again published by the Gruniad. Yeah. So it's been five months, I think, since the uh, Ruddock Religious Freedom Report was completed and submitted to the government and it hasn't been released. Yeah. And Michael Kirby Who has... was doing the report? Like... The report... What does the report even entail? I understand Ruddock's dumb fucking contentions <laughs> about it, but, like... It was... It was so... Essentially, it was a... The report was literally just to assess the health of religious freedom in Australian society. Yeah. Are religious people free to practice and able to conduct worship... Sure. without fear of uh, stigma or persecution, and also is uh, the secular community mm. sufficiently free from religious interference and yeah. abrogation. It's a kind of difficult report to put together if you take it seriously and try to be honest yeah. Yeah. about it. But I somehow suspect that that was not the Ruddock uh, method. No, no. <laughs> not just because he looks like... Uh, all of the villains from Star Wars smashed into a business suit. <laughs> he is a profoundly ugly man. It's true. Like Jesus would have just run a fucking mile from. Ah! Yeah. The one thing I can't cure. I cannot cast whatever that is out of whatever yeah. it is in. The, that is impossible. Yeah, because it's not in anything. <laughs> I've never seen a demon without a shell before. Just, yeah, a crystallization of darkness. Mm. Ruddock, fuck you. So they're not releasing the report. I wonder why that could be. They're not releasing the report. Well, because I think 
that it's going to actually come down and say there is no significant problem with uh, religious freedoms being trodden upon in Australia. That's what I would And that will completely cut against Scott Morrison's bullshit. Well, people have told me to, that my patently incorrect Christian nonsense is patently incorrect, which yeah. is the same as not being allowed to work for an organisation <laughs> that decides it's not going to employ homosexuals. Yeah, or being beaten up by a fucking series of dumb-as-fuck muscle-bound white men in Scott Morrison's own electorate in Australia's great national shame that of the did happen, 2000s. That did happen, Yeah. Yeah. The good old that, sharks. To be fair, to be fair, that I don't think that that was religiously motivated. It was mm. purely racial. They no, they, I think there was a Muslim bit. The the, the racialism was definitely in angle. there, but there was a there wasn't it wasn't religiously motivated in the sense of I mm. dispute the tenets of Islam. Yeah. And I'm going to do so from a learned position. Yeah. As like a sort of, you know, oh, a rabbi, a bishop and an imam walk into a mm. tea shop. Yeah. <laughs> kind of sense. No, it was... But it was... there was. It kicked off because a bunch of white idiots were scared by the fucking Barbary horse come to the beach to fucking uh, take their women. Take their... Oh, that's right. It was it was 100% about the Muslim rape it was, gang. It was nonsense, literally... wasn't it? It was literally just about, like, oh, this is our beach. We got here first. <laughs> it was the most childish thing. But when you give children fucking steroids and protein shakes, they... <laughs> turn into fucking dangerous kids it was yeah it was creepy anyway Ruddock um so we don't we don't I, I, I can't sling any mud at, at the Ruddock report though because no. yeah the government won't fucking release it and this comes only a couple of months after Scott Morrison ascended to the premiership of this country and said Australia is not a secular country it is a free country which is a terrifying thing for the prime minister of a secular country to think yeah um, because it is a secular country and it is not a free country because yeah. there is no thing as a free country because all countries have restrictive laws. Yeah, yeah, free. The, is but it is very important empty. as to whether or not it is secular. Yeah, and if he genuinely believes that this country is not secular, then we're all in for a world of pain. I think. I think that he probably just thinks that secular means atheist. But that's a, an alarming thing as well, Kieran. Yeah. Because he has the most important job in the country. And you're telling me, don't worry, I don't think he's evil. Just a complete fucking moron. Yeah, but we know he's a complete fucking moron, so it's much more comfortable for me personally it, to not be true. alarmed by Even his Even in Christian terms, Pentecostalism is kind of stupid. Yeah, yeah. It's a wild one. He... Ugh, he's going to win the next election. I can feel it in my bones, man. And he's going to win the next election by just wandering around with that horrible, stretched-out, one-size-too-small West Coast Eagles Guernsey mm. stuffed in one ear and his Cronulla Sharks Guernsey stuffed in the other. Yeah. And his I-have-special-needs baseball cap oh, falling off the front of his head and everyone going, God, he's just like me. Or relate to the Prime Minister. Finally. <laughs> The most important part of the process is complete. <laughs> I relate to the monster that is destroying the country. 
There's going to be a fucking surfer that gets killed by a shark in Western Australia again, and then there's going to be a big rally where half of the crowd are shouting, go sharks, and the other half of the crowd are shouting, kill sharks, and it'll just (laughs) blend until there's a bunch of racist idiots yelling, gill sharks, gill sharks. (laughs) The gill sharks will become a new gang (laughs) in the dystopian future. Yeah. Um, Mark Dreyfus uh, has like officially complained as the Shadow Attorney General. Yeah. As le- as long ago as the 18th of September, um, basically saying like you you need time for public consultation on this report before mm. we have time to make a re- before we get to make a response. Yeah. And the government literally just saying, "Oh no, but we're working on our response, so no one else is allowed to see it." five months later and the reason for this is because the report is going to say yeah religious freedom is perfectly healthy scott morrison has absolutely no grounds to crack down on secular liberties and rights in order to further his psychotic agenda as he piles billions of dollars onto the christian school sector as he forces more chaplains into the public school sector and tells us that we don't live in a secular country fuck me the most alarming thing about this for me is that in like in commissioning a report to begin with that suggests to me that like Ruddock and Scomo and all of these idiots aren't just being disingenuous with their shit which I had always assumed to be the case I thought that they were they would say oh it's impinging on people's religious freedoms therefore we can't have marriage equality I thought they were just saying that because they hated gay people and they wanted an excuse that would pass the legal test but then to commission a report which is obviously going to find out that if we have any problem with religious freedom in this country it's going to be around Muslims oh, 100% if, if and Christians are just fucking tickety-boo A-OK well the confusions um, are pretty safe for now as well yeah, yeah. Sorry, the Confucian is pretty safe as now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, generally speaking, religious freedom in this country is, like, obviously not being... I always feel like it can go either way for me. It's weird. Being the Jewish community is always in a slightly bizarre position with religious freedom. Yeah. Because on one... In one sense, we're, like, amongst the most protected people mm. as far as cultural mores are concerned and, you know, fears of offence being given are concerned. But... Mm that can flip so easily under the wrong circumstances and just become as much of a uh, an imposition as it was a privilege seven minutes ago yeah that's true um (laughs) uh the endless complexity of being jewish right (laughs) see it's uh, not more complex than being any other kind of human it just sometimes feels like it yeah um (laughs) Anyway, my my point is that they're, they're, yes. they're, they're honestly commissioning this report, which suggests to me that they legitimately believe in the possibility of the report coming back and finding what they believe it will find. I until, absolutely like, don't think that they commissioned the report cynically. I don't think they did at all. Yeah, I which, think they that's terrifying genuinely believe that Christians are this kind of downtrodden... Yeah, materially and, 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 ...and abused group of people. And I genuinely don't think they understand that it is a choice that your religion is a choice mm. 
I mean, Judaism, actually, Judaism is kind of weird because it isn't a choice to a certain extent because I'm not actually Jewish. I'm an atheist. Mm. But my mum's Jewish, which so means as far as as far as the kinds of people who would want to kill me for being Jewish <laughs> are concerned, I'm Jewish. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, it exists in that very weird liminal ethno-religious... <laughs> Even though I think it is place. a very badly told, badly written story. Mm. But... Uh, but it's a choice religion. It is a difficult choice, I accept, for mm. people who believe it is being real. Yeah. A very, very difficult thing to accept it might not be true or, or to move away from it if you do start to question it. But that is still a choice. Yeah. As Smug a- teenagers calling you idiots on YouTube does not constitute oppression. Yeah. Much they're less not, governmental They're not going to stop you from working. Yeah. It's very unlikely they're going to hunt you down on your way home from the pub and beat you to death. Yeah. You know, or blackmail you with mm. the threat of destroying your career. Yeah. You're the fucking prime minister, mate, <laughs> and you're saying that your religion is oppressed and... A bunch of you are religious psychopaths. What are you talking about? You hold the fucking power in this country. In fact, disproportionate share of power. Yeah. Because you're all of these... um, None of these people are just like, oh, yeah, you know, Church of England, don't really think about it, sort of Christians. They're all fringe movement, loonbag Christians. Yeah. So they have a really disproportionate share of power, which is the opposite of being an oppressed group. It's fucking crazy. (laughs) They're mental. All right, let's let's move on. Uh, <laughs> all right, so so far it's been bummer, bummer, bummer. Basically, the Labor plan was the least bummer one. Yeah, but it was still kind of I was like, oh, yeah, it was a bit better than I was expecting. But then he ruined it by calling it a fair go action plan. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that so much. When I saw that, I was like, oh, we haven't learned a fucking thing. <laughs> Um, so my next one is also a bummer, man. Uh, the Sydney Opera House, uh, Alan Jones has pushed for and finally got approval to have fucking horse racing advertising projected onto the fucking... This is the sensational irony of the, uh, the defenders of Western civilization being the most appalling Philistines in the country. Yeah, not a single fucking iota of understanding of what like culture is supposed to be or whatever and that i I hate that that makes me sound like such a tosser but it's fucking true i am a tosser but you're a much better tosser than alan jones who's just an evil piece of shit yeah it's just like you can't exist in a society with a fucking big pretentious opera building and not want to throw fucking ads up on it for gambling (laughs) (laughs) with isn't that's an industry that our country has a massive problem with uh, but well, Alan Jones and, and, and the fact that he was allowed to rate, run like a, a personal terror campaign against the chairwoman yeah. of the trust that's yeah. responsible for caring for the opera house uh, because of her obsession with rules and charters and like all of the things that public servants are supposed to do for a living. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Imagine a you... bureaucracy where people were just allowed to put their feet up and go, I know it says this, but I don't feel like enforcing that today. Yeah. So maybe we'll just do double penalties on breaking it tomorrow, and today everyone can just do it. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking wild. You imagine if they were, like... Because that's how Italy's run, just by the way. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, good old Italy. Imagine if you were, like, the 
coordinator of some arts building and you just want to go there and like make sure that you've got some interesting programs and like make sure that it's all funded and stuff and this is like obviously a really big scale one but fundamentally the same job as like running a little community gallery or something just like i just want to do a good job and make sure there's some like interesting stuff happening in my community and then a fucking infamous beat red psychopath beats down your door and is like let me put ads for horse racing up and then through sheer force of will and pig-headedness gets his way well and the fact that this new south wales has a less fortunate premier than we do in gladys berejiklian a, mm. a, a, a woman whose uh, lack of virtue is uh is just incredible she's totally pointless yeah politically politically and uh and philosophically and apparently just as a basic human being as well yeah just rubbish the whole thing is rubbish but she's obsessed she seems she seems to be running her entire administration for the benefit of the sporting and gaming industries yeah with no other interest in apparently any other sphere of life in new south wales what other sphere which of i'm life sure is there, there probably is at least some i mean yeah. you know the, the opera house is this is an interesting one in a sense because it is a physical object is most mm. of its value most yeah. of the opera house's value is not what goes on inside the opera house yeah not as far as tourism and, and business is concerned. yeah yeah they come to see the house they come to see the house it's, it would be a bit like going to egypt and seeing like the pyramid of giza has got racing ads emblazoned all over it it would be a yeah. bit shit a bit shit. A bit yeah. shit. I feel like if I'd travelled all the way. <laughs> yeah, it would be a my fucking outrage. Lifetime. You would be like, oh man, what crazy corrupt government must this be? And again, Scott the- Morrison's just goes, oh, it's just common sense. He was the yeah. chairman of not just Australia's, but New Zealand's tourism authorities, yeah. his, which makes him a traitor, by the way. Um, <laughs> he, he was responsible for that 100% pure New Zealand campaign. Right. So he's betrayed Australia yeah. in physical, material terms. But as somebody whose job was curating tourism, how could you not see that the Sydney Opera House is a physical, visual asset? Yeah, defacing one of your yeah. biggest landmarks, essentially. Yeah, is. it's still graffiti. Just because it's a light show, not yeah. spray paint, it's still graffiti. Yeah. And of course, Alan Jones owns concerns in uh, horse racing. No, horse betting. That's that's the uh... talking about being without virtue. I mm. have done Gladys a great disservice by accusing her before pointing out Alex jo- Alan Jones is is one of the worst human beings in Australia <laughs> yeah. by a massive, yeah. He's massive the, margin. He actually makes beans. Gladys Berejiklian look like the Michael the Archangel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is risky for her, given how oppressed Christianity is uh, oh, in this country right. at the minute. Let's move on to topics, shall we? All right, okay, move on to topics. All right, Darcy, what's the topic? The topic is the danger of narrative in an interpretation of history. Yeah, so I'm interested in this one. So I was uh, my interest was piqued by an interview I read in The Verge by Angela Chen. Mm-hmm. Angela Chen to pronounce that like a human being, mate. <laughs> um, and it's with a uh, with a chap called Alex Rosenberg, okay. who's a Duke University professor. Sure. And his contention was actually quite elegant and simple. Was it's a good school, <laughs> Duke, Duke University. 
Duke. Duke, Duke, Duke. Duke. Was that because our brains obsessively construct stories. Yes. And most of the way that we view the world is narrative-based. True. We are trapped in a cycle of telling self-affirming lies about history that uh, are one of the main reasons why policymakers who should know better mm-hmm. keep making the same incredibly obvious mistakes uh, cyclically throughout history. True. Not just in recent times. Mm. And he was looking at other ways that you can analyse history, for instance, by economic structure or game mm-hmm. theory or, you know, increasingly... Uh, interesting uh, number of ways come about to interpret history. Our obsession, the popular obsession, more than the academic obsessions, mm. popular obsession and political obsession with narrative history yes. uh, allows us to constantly fall victim to shysters who are able to tell a better story, essentially. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think he's 100% correct. Yeah. Uh... I think he's maybe putting too much faith in our ability to uh, sort of relieve ourselves from that oppression. He thinks yeah. it's doable. I don't think it is. I think the way our brains work is yeah. probably too hard. Well, that's kind of the central conceit, I think. Uh, not conceit. That's the central question that I have with it, is this idea that we can shift to other forms of uh, historical analysis with any level of success, and then without building narratives off that anyway, because we're a mythically inclined species. It's one of the byproducts of language and uh, persistent identity and our arrangement well, of yeah, time and our abstract thought, society. right? Yeah, yeah. Just abstract thought. It, it makes it really hard not to be kind of to have to have a sense of destiny and magic. Yeah, because abstraction is so com- something we're so comfortable with. Yeah, and I think there's so I, yeah. I th- I think he's right in that we need to re-examine the way that we. Uh, deal with history and stuff, but I think there's actually a real danger in uh, when you try to step around the narrative and you say, oh, well, this is an, uh, a non-narrative way of analysing this thing. That's always when narrative seeps in, and that's, you know, like hardcore racist rationalists in oh, yeah. scare quotes and stuff. They all, they all do that idea of being dispassionate and realistic and stuff, so it's actually like a central risk zone. Personally, I think that it's maybe healthier to engage with narrative and kind of take the existentialist. Just try to of, win, as it were. Yeah, like acknowledge acknowledge the absurd and and without sort of falling prey to its nihilistic impulses. But I mean, I'm a fucking pomo fancy boy, so <laughs> what do I know? I do know that like some of my my clutch of boys or all of my clutch of boys dealt with this idea as well like it was a central part of Foucault's thesis was uh philosophizing power through a historical lens and like re-examining our narratives and the degree to which that had when we weren't aware that it was taking place the degree to which that had shaped society and and power Deleuze talks about it Derrida talks about it so that's like where I come from which is much more fucking pretentious than where he's coming from trying to be good faith honest stats boy or or whatever Mm. that he is so i think it's an interesting project but like there are pitfalls there well yeah i mean there are huge numbers of pitfalls for one thing how do you communicate a non-narrative sense of history Mm. to people 
it's yeah. hard, right? Because a lot of the analysis that he was discussing requires people to have a certain level of technical understandings, yeah. which is not reasonable to expect everyone to. No. But that's the catch-22 of academia. That's why, like, I have this fucking area of interest that I was just talking about. Like, that... I can't expect people to <laughs> engage with that because it's abstruse and difficult and, like, yeah. wanky and stuff, and his thing is... Like, the two of us couldn't just build a house because we have no idea yeah. how any of the physics or yeah, right? construction principles work, it's the- let alone the actual hands-on how you put it together. Yeah. Never- yeah sorry. that's the catch-22 of fucking academia is like if only everybody were experts in every field yeah you probably could solve a lot of problems and Mm. this might be really compelling but like how do you even get people fucking interested in history like you can't even get people interested enough in the narrative of history to re-examine our stories people are interested in history to an extent but they're not interested in history as like a stressful or difficult yeah. Topic. People are interested in history as a comfort narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, Even if it's about brutal, horrible stuff, where yeah. they develop a, a sort of victim narrative, that's still what... There's still a, a perverse comfort to be drawn from it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the average person only engages with history insofar as it props up their personal narrative. So how do you get them interested in a non-narrative history, especially one that isn't going to, like or is explicitly designed not to ratify their maybe flawed conception of the themselves. It's a weird one. Man, it's a really good idea. Well, it's an essential idea, because I, I think as... Maybe you can't make a great sort of public movement where yeah. everyone's like, down with narrative, yes to determinism. <laughs> yeah. No one's going to be filling the streets up, and you're not going to sell a lot of bestsellers. Mm. But I think, as far as influencing, like policy debate amongst, say, yeah, that's true. Now, like this, where where this kind of Clinton Blairite disaster of technocratic Mm. leftism has a a a crack or a, a a window of viability. It's like, all right, but we do need senior experts to help inform decisions. Yeah. It can be uh, And they should be aware of this pitfall. Yeah. And use that uh, awareness to guide policy in a, in a more helpful and constructive direction. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the, the technocracy can be a, a fucking way of folding new ideas into the ideology surprisingly effectively, even if the apparatus then makes no material moves to address the Yeah, well they just become buzzwords and yeah. Oh, and weasel words and cease to exist and oh yeah. probably do the idea more damage in the long <laughs> run. Oh goodness me. It's such a it's such a, a minefield. I find yeah. it I find it uh, initially quite it's it's like having an affair. You discover a new idea and you come back to life. You know, everything's electric and wonderful and the possibilities just roll out before you for the mm. sun laned uplands of <laughs> fondling and, and nookie. And then then, the, then, then you start thinking about the logistics, yeah, and the practicalities, and the politics, and yeah, cloak and dagger nonsense. You feel and just, the <laughs> energy. 
discharge from your <laughs> within a week. Batteries. You're so much more miserable than you were before it yeah. ever happened. It's kind of like you know you're trapped on a desert island and you're iron deficient, and it's like we'll eat some spinach, and it's like yeah, sure, I'd love to eat some fucking spinach, but I'm trapped on a desert island. There's nowhere to grow spinach. I don't have any spinach seeds. Just Does spinach even have seeds. Sweet, sweet cholesterol coconuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have clogged arteries. How do they have so much cholesterol? <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking wild. Um, who did you say it was again? The, the, the name, name of, this, of the um, these people or this person? The man in question is Alex Rosenberg. Alex Rosenberg, professor of philosophy at Duke. Okay, philosophy of science, I think, is his actual forte. Yeah, yeah. Oh, here we go. His book is called "The Neuroscience of Our Addiction to Stories." Sure, addiction to stories. Uh, here's here's my my take on Strange, it. Strange uh, uh, misappropriation for a neuroscientist. You, because yeah. he's not actually a neuroscientist. He's a professor of the, the philosophy of neuroscience. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's probably quite an annoying man, actually. I guess. Yeah, my take on it is just a slightly more. Yeah, that's a philosopher, all right. Um, it's just a slightly more pretentious version of what we said right up the top. It's like a phenomenological approach whereby, as as far as we're concerned... Don't smirk. Uh, our consciousness doesn't inhabit the material reality. It, it inhabits the reality of language and construction and, and narrative, yeah. necessarily. So, like objective positivist fucking dispassionate things can only ever get us so far because they're always co-opted they're always co-opted we live in like this moment is so fucking chock full yeah and of, in layman's terms narrative, it's, 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 every single time you hear a politician like thatcher's brilliant thing and howard's after her was this oh our whole philosophy goes above ideology we're not yeah. influenced by ideology yeah which always boils down to egoism, essentially. Mm. Um, like with Ayn Rand's objectivist yeah. disaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, what is what is this dude's ideology is another question. Uh, Alex Rosenberg? Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he's a very respectable and very serious liberal thinker. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but, yeah, to, to what extent does his definition of narrative uh what does that include and exclude is the question so okay so there's there's the basic idea mm. where you've got athens versus sparta in the peloponnesian wars yeah and it is equally true to say that that was a struggle between a kind of heroic culture of individualism and enterprise versus a closed-minded militaristic kind of zealot group yep for the future of Greece, as it is to say, well, it was a battle between a disciplined group of um, ascetics who mm. were focused on a higher spiritual purpose and were trying to save their future from decadent, weird kitty fiddlers yeah. that lived in Athens. Yeah. And I think those are both equally true and false narratives, yeah, they're, they're, right? they're both narratives. And they're both really unhelpful ways to analyse history because they're both essentially propaganda campaigns. Yeah. But I think that's the baseline of what he's talking about when he discusses narrative, yeah. is this idea that there is a coherent story behind yeah. the movements of civilizations rather than just spontaneous uh, 
outcomes of individual action. Yeah. That is not, you know, as countries have never ever, apart from brief periods of like total war, mm. total government, and even then not entirely. Countries have always just been the outcomes of lots of different people having different lives coinciding yeah. because they have to. Yeah, just like everything meaningful, it's harmony, not melody. It's yeah, just, exactly it's, right. It's tissue. But is, like, I think it's really interesting, and I'm, I'm doing a lot of devil's advocating here, but, like, is it possible that he's just... You always want to represent through... the fun guy. Yeah. <laughs> is it possible that through, uh, I'm sure, very rigorous philosophizing and careful thought and stuff, he's just accidentally invented one of the core principles of modern academic history because i think that historians are already kind of aware of this and on this and there's a big body of theory around well i don't i don't think that he's presenting himself as a breakthrough thinker yeah um although i haven't read his book so yeah. i could be wrong there is also i think he's just a, published a popular yeah, academic yeah, yeah. book i think is all that's happened that's the other thing it's it, it's his book and there's a difference between difference between yeah. an academic text and like a this is not a thesis text. yeah 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 hundred percent. Well, it's interesting. I might, I might look him up and see what he has to say. That's Alex Greenberg. <sighs> you anti-Semite. <laughs> what the fuck? There was no anti-Semitism in that. <laughs> that um, is, uh, that is Professor Rosenberg of mm. Duke University. Duke University. Duke. Shh. Attentive listeners will notice that I completely failed to incorporate that new information when Darcy corrected me on Professor Rosenberg's last name. Don't worry, it's going to happen again pretty soon. Ha 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 I wasn't listening. Um, yeah, for the did, did you have anything to add to, to this topic? Yes, I did. Our Prime Minister doesn't understand what secular <laughs> means, and... <laughs> Yep. We're in the middle of uh, what one of the reasons why Australian politics has been so unstable for the past decade mm. um, is because the whole country is trapped in a massively hysterical false narrative. That's very true. Like, th- yeah, the the story that Australia tells itself is a particularly like narrowly defined myopic and delusional one. Yeah, and one that becomes incredibly aggressive when uh, not even uh, questioned or challenged, but simply critiqued yeah. is enough to send people into foaming conniptions. Yeah. And we've got this narrative, which is essentially... I mean, here's, here's a way of understanding it. About 35 years ago, mm. the Americans uh, wiped out a huge swathe of meaningful industrial and financial regulations and kick-started turbo capitalism mm. and in Australia both the Liberal Coalition and the Labour Party tried to essentially uh, revise their party platform so as not to get swept away by the neoliberal explosion yep. which was, would have happened to both of them because remember the Liberal Party were never neoliberals either mm. in those days um, they were really to the left of the current Labour Party and a lot of uh, economic issues. Yeah, and a lot of cultural and social issues. The fucking 
Vietnamese immigration. Oh well, yeah, Fra- Fraser himself was um, the the curious distinction of uh, being one of the most left wing prime ministers <laughs> in the history of a very right wing country. Yeah, um, who was just yeah marginally to the right of the left wing prime minister he deposed. Mm. Very curious, but uh, yeah, they essentially both Labour and Liberal had to try and had to change their platforms to accommodate neoliberalism. Yeah, and. They have, uh, I think the Labour Party succeeded to a much greater extent than the Liberal Party did Mm. because the Liberal Party has been pushed in too many different directions by the concessions and are now falling apart. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's that that story, uh, a classic story template of the... Somebody has appointed the leader of a group and to assess where that group should go, they solicit suggestions and quickly it becomes unmanageable. And the lesson that they learn is that they need to exercise some authority. Yes, absolute Uh, power. Yeah, some of the... Never a particularly great story, but you see it repeated a lot in sitcoms and shit particularly. And in history, unfortunately. And in history, yeah. And yeah, the libs opened up that thing and, you know, all of Dutton's forebears came out howling out of their fucking gaping <laughs> shitholes and uh and and their view of the world is totally um a, a completely different narrative which yeah. is that christianity has been which was the guiding principle of western civilization which mm. it never has been mm. um during the uh the, the the high point of western civilization which i'm gonna say they trace from probably the establishment of the East India Company to yeah. the end of apartheid. Um, yeah. Pretty roughly. Not. I would almost put it at the end of the Second World War with these cunts. Oh, I'll, actually, I, oh, they quite liked the 50s, though. Yeah, that's true. Maybe the 50s we'll is, go from, is the last. We'll go from um, the establishment of the East India Company until Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band was <laughs> yeah. released. Two very objective data points so along the, the line. And there was just this this point where suddenly we went from uh, is Christian to isn't Christian in their yeah. minds, and that there have been unquantifiable social disasters that have followed from that. Yeah. And we're on the great precipice of fucking revelation, essentially, yeah. as a result. Which is supposed to be a good thing that they are wanting to encourage, so I don't understand. Yeah, but, but they don't expect it to come now. They don't want to be in fucking Gomorrah when... They want to have an awesome life and then go to heaven, not get yeah. caught up in all the stress in the middle. Yeah. yeah, I get that. They want to be the guy that appears in the great battle against Satan's host and is like, you can do it. Just remember all of the great things that your racist antecedents did. <laughs> Just picture them as Aborigines and you'll be oh. fucking right. I gotta stop fucking. I You're keep winding yourself it. up, darling. I am. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and you're becoming hysterical. But. Yeah. Fuck, it's grim in this room. Today. They've chosen. But that's the. They've chosen that narrative line. Yeah. And, uh, and there's no way that I can convince them that no it's 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 just a matter of you your party shifted to accommodate a different mm. economic structure yeah and your views became less relevant yeah so the real question is can professor greenberg's uh dry Anti-Semite. i'm just saying the man's name um rosenberg can... oh is it rosenberg yes 
Oh, fuck, I apologize. That's not anti-Semitic, though. I just forgot his name. I didn't call him, like, Rosenstein or something. Ah. Greenberg is what I thought it was. I apologize on behalf of both of us on uh, to the Jewish community. I hope it is Greenberg now, because that would be hilarious. I'm fucking losing my mind, man. No, it's Rosenberg. Rosenberg. It would have been really funny if it was Greenberg. Damn it. Oh, anyway, well. <laughs> can, can Rosenberg's uh, dry, a-narrative uh, approach break through to these morons? Because I don't think it can. I don't think an a-narrative uh, account of history will ever 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 be as compelling as a narrative account not to the human mind and i don't think that there is enough time for our brains to fundamentally change enough yeah for us to save ourselves from heat death yeah all right let's move on we're at 55 minutes (laughs) i'm sorry listener it's such a i'm not sorry the show is called weakness for bleakness yeah yeah normally i'm not not if you if you were expecting me to croon sweet melodies in your ear as I pour you some glass of pink champagne. Yeah. And you've chosen our subscriber-only content, Ah. which will be available if we ever bother putting together a Patreon account, which we probably won't. Not for a while, anyway. It took us fucking 18 weeks to set up an email address. A free email address. (laughs) Um, Which you've all made excellent use of, by the way, I think. Yeah, keep them coming in. We're just waiting uh, to curate them all at the end of... uh, When we have enough emails to fill a one-minute segment, we may consider possibly doing it. Keep them coming in. Um, Let's move on to topic B, because it's related. Uh is, is that all right? Yes. No, yeah, I'm, cool. waiting. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm was, waiting for you to was, talk. I thought I was stepping on your toes, maybe. Anyway, um, so three gormless Oh, God, the, the team's in... falling apart. This is all <laughs> coming to an end. We're unstuck. This no, is, let's this power is a, through. This um, is the almost famous moment. <laughs> no, I have a new wind. I am a golden god. Um, <laughs> a group of three idiots in the US have perpetuated another SoCal-style academic hoax. Ooh! Which one commentator insisted be called SoCal Squared. So basically, Alan Alan SoCal did the SoCal affair uh, a little while ago where he wrote a paper which was essentially rubbish and then got it published in a humanities journal of some description and it was designed to prove that obscurantist nonsense was like the flavour of the day and that journals had no publishing standards in yeah. in left acad- academia. We had chosen a very specific journal that didn't have any publishing standards. Yeah, yeah. It's These hoaxes always have, <laughs> have that caveat. Like, you wouldn't get it into the Lancet. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, the one of these people, or all of these people, then did one a couple of years ago where they wrote something called the conceptual penis or something and then got it published in a pay to publish vanity press style journal right. which proves nothing except that these predatory journals checks. already yes so now uh, they've written 20 papers and submitted them to a variety of uh, journals in gender studies and sociology and uh, feminist geography and all of these sort of niche <coughs> emerging uh, what they call grievance studies uh, what sort of non assholes would probably just call social studies broadly. Uh, <clears throat> and seven of those uh, articles were published 
and they then got caught and had to stop and wrote an article uh, about it and released their data. And they're claiming that it proves that uh, these fields of the humanities are ideologically driven rather than driven by knowledge production and that you can get anything published. Now, it's fucking ridiculous. So, for a few reasons. Let me walk you through some of the reasons. One, what they did was... Uh, come up with an argument, read all of the literature, form their argument around the literature, and then get some of the articles published. What they've done there is scholarship, and not believing in the central thesis of your article doesn't mean that that argument is, uh, is flawed. Secondly, they think that when you get an article published, that means that the humanities are ensconcing your opinion into the yeah. canon of knowledge, but that's not the no. case. In humanities, arguments are presented as provocations and op- like invitations to discussion. No, it's literally just they've allowed you a platform to make a point. Yeah. And the only thing that is required for that is that you demonstrate the minimum levels of scholarship that you've outlined. Yeah, so they wrote a coherent argument, and some of the journals were like, all right, we'll put this up here so that somebody else can write a better article refuting it or whatever. Yeah. Some of the stuff that they wrote about, uh, one thing, uh, one argument that uh, white students in classes could be physically uh, impaired and like ignored and stuff as a form of sort of educational reparations, as a pedagogical experiment. Uh, okay, ridiculous, obviously, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, a study of rape culture in a dog park. Um, <clears throat> where they observed another correction they obviously didn't actually observe uh, this they falsified the data which is a problem in and of itself <laughs> humans reactions to dogs uh, raping each other for some right. which is actually kind of an interesting it is interesting idea I mean it's an interesting it's the, the question of of to what uh, degree informed consent plays a role in canine mating practice is still unknown so yeah. And you can learn a lot about people's attitudes towards sex and gender by watching how they observe that shit in animals yeah. as well. well and, and our most closely socialized fellow creature, the dog, as well. Yeah, yeah. so that one was kind of interesting. There, there were a bunch of them. You can, you can find them online if you feel compelled to search out these uh, articles. And then they also published their uh, reviews, their peer reviews, uh, many of which were like fucking perfectly reasonable they got a lot of rejections they got a lot of revise and resubmits it's how peer review works anyway um so the other point like the main objection that i have to this is that they're not proving their point because they don't understand how humanities journals work they don't understand uh how knowledge is produced there as opposed to other fields uh, and then they did it with such shonky fucking scholarship. Like, <laughs> they do, they picked a handful of disciplines all within one kind of broad area. I didn't get anything published in a sociology journal. They just got, you know, one in a fucking feminist geography journal, one in this, one in that. Like, proving nothing about right, the, so they've the also chosen as a whole. Very, very, very small publications. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With very limited readerships. Yep, yeah. Not big... They called them big journals, but they're absolutely not the biggest journals in the fields. They're the sort of places where you would go to submit early articles with yeah, if you're... esoteric kind of provocations and shit. 
So they've proven nothing and done it with shitty methodology. They're supposed to be t- like promoting good scholarship standards, but shitty methodology, ambiguous results, uh, published in, didn't publish their fucking findings in an academic peer reviewed journal. They published a fucking hack piece on with the <laughs> wall street journal. Uh, and have been the center ins- of objective scholarship. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and in their attempts to promote like, uh, dispassionate uh, scholarship and prove how disingenuous these fields are, they've been insanely disingenuous themselves because it's obvious, based on these people and their histories, that what they're interested in is a an ideological fight to, to destabilise the humanities. Now, there are ridiculous things that come out of the humanities. I'm not fucking doubting that. There are problems with the peer review process and the drive to publication, which is a central part of the economic reality of fucking being an academic. Um, but it's not unique to the humanities by any fucking stretch. Uh, it was unearthed that corporations were paying economists directly to publish favourable uh, findings of their practices, essentially falsified data. Uh, both medicine and psychology have reproducibility crises at the moment, and people don't really understand the literature of their own fields. And computer science, which is where so many of these fucking anti-humanities people come from, um, somebody invented a computer science conference paper generator, and to this date, so far, 120 papers have gotten through and been accepted by conferences that have been generated by this fucking thing. <laughs> so the great objective scientific field of STEM, computer science, has literally just been publishing or, or accepting uh, for presentation these fucking computer-generated <laughs> papers. Like, if the problems that academia has, it has broadly across all disciplines and other fucking disciplines are far more corrupt than the humanities which is fundamentally a pretty harmless wacko corner of the world well especially the niche areas that these guys were going after yeah you're talking about um topics of conversation that will only affect people who choose to be interested in them yeah it's pure like it's what is wrong with somebody being interested enough in the concept of feminist geography to be like, let's structure some fucking thinking around this. It literally like hurts nobody. Turning but. up at someone's Dungeons and Dragons evening and complaining that you want to watch football all night, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly that. But of course, nobody's fooled. Uh, these people uh, just think that this is where the scary fucking gender gender monsters come and destroy society or something like two or three years ago radio mm. national had a really interesting uh, bit of investigative journalism which was focusing on the journal mills in the indian subcontinent yep which there are a tremendous uh, uh fortunes to be made yeah by putting out sham journals that do not review yeah um and ones that do review but to a much uh, different level of uh, professionalism and rigor than yeah. we're familiar with with the term peer review mm. um 
And that was a fascinating look at how the notion of academic credibility in general had mm. been damaged by shysters who have decided to set up a massive amount of mock journals that make money off people's desires to be taken seriously and mm. and listened to and respected. Yeah, That was fascinating, because that was a fascinating bit of human psychology. It was a fascinating bit on economics. It was a fascinating bit on, oh, no, yeah, the precious tradition of the journal has been violated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. As if it, Whatever will we do now? As if it were ever sacrosanct. But the way that... Oh, as, as if it fucking matters to people whether sources are verifiable and genuine anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. Just, that was such a, an ABC-esque adorable concern yeah. in the pre-Trump world. <laughs> that's very true. Um, yeah, these, the, these people would have a take on that thing that it's like, ah, oh, the degenerate subhumans of the Indian subcontinent prove that they can't engage with knowledge honestly or something like that's the level of yeah despite that we're dealing with mo- mo- most of the uh, consumers of these products living in western europe and america once yeah. again <laughs> yeah because it's made in india doesn't mean it is for the indians <laughs> <laughs> yeah exa- exactly few right. things made in india are put to use locally it's all for yeah. export yeah yeah um it's an absolute fucking exploitation pit for the west to fatten off um yeah, I mean, that's roughly it. I've bombed through it really quickly because there is a lot of material to it and a lot of uh, information there. One of them is called Paul Bogosian, I think, which is really funny because there's a super well-respected uh, professor of philosophy called Paul Bogosian who's copying a lot of shit for it. Uh, <laughs> this kindly old man with a storied uh, career of service to the to the field. Uh, uh, that reminds me of that poor chap who i think he was a professor at university of chicago or something mm. but so, some maniac put out a if we paid our no if, if if we bought beer the way we pay our taxes or some bizarre thing and they just pulled his name off a database of academics and stuck right. it at the end of the and he <laughs> received millions of abusive letters from all around the world all yeah. of a sudden <laughs> be horrendous there was that American popcorn maker called Peter Dutton who around oh, the time yeah. of the spell started. He was from getting... Texas, wasn't he? Yeah, but it, he, it's turned out all right for him now because he's well, now he's a, a minor celebrity he's got a and minor he's celebrity coming, to and he's coming to Australia and he's going to be able to sell his popcorn everywhere. Yeah, all the trendy all cinemas will want uh, Peter Dutton's poppers. Yeah, fuck me. All right. Uh, yeah, but if you hear about. SoCal Squared, SoCal Squared, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, on the internet. Social. Social Squares. Yeah. Dear listener, just know that somebody's trying to take you for a fucking ride, because it doesn't stand up to scrutiny. I should know. I just had my first peer review article uh, published, so I know what is... What is, what is required of you making like, would a Would you claim. like to, to, to spruik it to the ladies and gentlemen? That is what I was doing. It's in Cinder <laughs> Journal. It's just a little little journal that's just started up. Uh, it's about science fiction and Australian literary realism, looking at uh, Kurt Vonnegut's Cat's Cradle, which is an extremely uh, young white man creative writing uh, article to write, but uh, oh, I worked yeah. hard on it, and I don't think it's behind a paywall. I think you can just Google... Kieran Stevenson, Cinder, and it'll come up. To thine own self be true. Yes. Isn't it funny? Because they could have just said, oh, yeah, we sort of couldn't get into uh, Harvard, the National Lampoon, mm. 
we weren't quite funny enough, so we thought we'd just do this prank. Yeah. And and it wasn't... But it's, just, it's an old prank. It's a really old prank. It's just going, yeah. I'm going to see if I can get my lie accepted by Guardians of Truth. Yeah. It's a really old prank. The, the greatest uh, and oldest one in Australia is the Urn Malley hoax, where two conservative poets tried to ridicule modernism and uh, accidentally ended up introducing modernist poetry to Australia <laughs> through their fake Urn Malley character. That's um, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> that one was really good. <clears throat> and there's a good book about it called My Life is a Fake by Peter Carey. Poetry used to be very popular in Australia. Yeah. Still is in some circles. And it, it still is in some circles. And I suppose rap music, people like the rap music. Yeah. It's, it's a I, I consider that poetry as, a, as like a, a subclass of poetry. Yeah, sure. Well, it is. I, yeah, definitely qua- it definitely qualifies. Plato had music. You're saying yeah. he wasn't a poet? No, not Plato, uh, Homer. The one who was a poet. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Fuck me drunk. This has been a disaster. It We're has. both nearly dead. That's <laughs> all right. We need to recharge some, some, but that's all right. Uh, if you have uh, any, any, uh, any, any feedback, mm. whether to tell us you love us or hate us, you can write to the show at weaknessforbleakness at gmail.com. Yes. There are no tricks in the spelling, mm. just weaknessforbleakness at gmail.com. Please hit us up. Uh, and I have, uh, if we're not inundated, we will try to get back to you. Yeah, yeah. It could be a wait uh, as we go through it, but yeah. Send in that stuff anyway. We can take it for sure. Uh, there's one more thing that I would like to say. I've been a little bit remiss. So our ending theme song uh, is from Leonardo's Robot, who is a dude that I met at a pub after a gig one time. And we were talking about music because his stuff sounded a little bit similar to the band that I am in, Cat House Canary. So we got talking I can about confirm it. That. Yeah. So we got talking, and uh, he was putting together some music and sent me some. And we were looking for a closing theme, and I asked him if we could use that song. Uh, and that album is coming out kind of soon and he has been in touch to tell me that he's a little bit stroppy with me that I haven't fucking name dropped him uh, so in order to repair my relationship Darcy's phone is ringing uh, with Leonardo's robot yes uh, he he is responsible for our ending music and that song Family Home I will put in full at the end of this episode as a form of penance. Uh, I don't know when it's coming out, but I've been told that it's soon. So, yeah, I'll update you when that happens. Well, thank you, Mr. Robot. Yes, thank you, Mr. Robot. Uh, All right, that's us. Goodbye, dear listener. Tough shit, mate. Best of luck next time.
Right back.